I like to think about career rehab the same way we rehab a house. You have an amazing home, but sometimes you need some renovations to take place. I got to gut out that bad kitchen. I got to get that bathroom redone. Eventually, if I want to sell that house, I got to put it out there on the market. Hey, everybody. I'm Lori Rudiman. Welcome to Punk Rock HR. My guest today is Kanika Talver. She's a founder, CEO, and author of Career Rehab, Rebuild Your Personal Brand, and Rethink the Way You Work. Kanika wants you to ditch the job for the dream because she believes if you don't love what you do, then it's time to rethink your daily grind and renovate your career. March is International Women's Month, and I'm so excited to feature badass women having real conversations about the world of work. So if you want to rethink your approach to work and life, sit back and enjoy this conversation with Kanika Talver. Hey, Kanika, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Lori. How you doing today? Oh man, I'm great. It's been a long time coming. I've been so excited about the opportunity to chat with you today about rehabbing my career, starting over. You know, maybe I'll be a teacher, maybe I'll be a lawyer. I don't know where this conversation is going to go, but I'm excited to have it. Before we get started today, why don't you tell everybody who you are and what you're all about? Hey everyone, my name is Kanika Tolver. I am from the Washington, D.C. area, and I am the author and CEO at Career Rehab. I am super enthusiastic about helping people train transform their careers by rehabbing it. So we do a lot of career renovations for folks that want to step up their personal brands and take their careers to the next level. Well, I always want to know why people do what they do. So why is it that you find yourself in 2021 focused on helping people who are having career meltdowns, career crises, or just want something more? They want to pivot. I mean, I went through career rehab myself in corporate America. I am still and was a corporate rebel. I love to stand up for what I believe in. So I have done career renovations for myself and they worked. And then I started to help other people with their resumes and they started reaching back about other like career related hard questions. And then I was like, well, maybe I'm a career coach because people are asking me things that are going to salary negotiation, how to deal with toxic work environments, the hard stuff. So that's kind of how I landed into this space of writing the book Career Rehab. Well, tell us about your journey as a corporate rebel and someone who saw things differently. What's that all about? So I have three alter egos. So one of my alter egos is the cool geek. I am a woman who is in technology. I love anything techie. I've been in the industry for 15 years and I consider myself a cool person. Then the corporate rebel is, you know, I found myself going against the grain at work, standing up for what I believed in, dealing with bad managers, dealing with bad work environments. And I said, you know what? I'm a corporate rebel. I like to break the rules because the rules that they have, they don't make sense. And leadership not making any sense of them. Maybe about seven or eight years ago, I said, you know what? I'm going to be a corporate rebel and I'm going to leave my government job for private sector. And that's what I did. My third one is I am a career dropout. I am a budding 
entrepreneur, I would like to say that I don't treat my side hustle or my business like a side hustle. I treat it like the main hustle. I date the job, but I'm married to the dream. So the dream is to become a career dropout, meaning that I am going to drop my full-time job one day to do all the things that I'm already doing right now, but I'm going to do it full-time. So I am a career dropout because most of the time I am thinking about the business and the dream while I'm working the job. Let's start with career rehabbing and renovation first, because that's what you're building your brand on, right? That's what you're known for. That's what you've written about in your amazing book. So exactly what is career renovation and how do we rehab a career? I like to think about career rehab the same way we rehab a house. You have an amazing home, but sometimes you need some renovations to take place. I got to gut out that bad kitchen. I got to get that bathroom redone. Eventually, if I want to sell that house, I got to put it out there on the market. They have to gut out the things that are not working well, and they have to level up and do some things like learning new skills, expanding their network, or even maybe getting new certifications. So when they get out on that job market, that someone's going to actually be able to say, you know what, I want to hire you for that new role. So that's what career rehab is all about. Well, it's such a good analogy because so many people try to rehab a kitchen or renovate a bathroom on their own with no idea what they're doing, or they go for it on the cheap. And then there are all these mistakes along the way. What do you find are some of the mistakes that people make when trying to reboot, relaunch, or do something new in their lives? In my book, I talk about we need career builders. The same way we need people, contractors to come to our house to redo our kitchen or our bathroom, we need career builders. And these people include our professional network, the people that we already know. There are people that we already know that can help us, that have already accomplished certain goals that we're trying to accomplish. Then we have our recruiters. We have the people that can actually help us get placed in the right job and can help us get placed in the right company, the right company culture get the right pay. And then we have people that we aspire to work with at work, like our mentors or even sponsors. So I think it's important to build your squad of people that's going to help you with that career renovation. You know, the other mistake that people make along the way is that they don't start a rehab or renovation with an end in mind. They just know they're unhappy with the status quo. So can you talk a little bit about that and how important it is to define your dream and to really know what you're going after? I think it's really important to have a checklist. I'm big on talking about dating jobs in the book. And the same way we have a checklist for someone that we want to date in real life, whether it's a man or woman, you want to make sure that you have a checklist. And in order to find that dream guy or that dream woman, you had things that you expected out of dating certain people. And I think It's very important for professionals to know that it's important to be okay with wanting the things that you want out of a job. I think we for so long have been told that these things are unrealistic, like working from home, maybe getting paid time off when you have a baby, maybe being in a company culture that will accept women and women of color or people of color. I think we've been conformed to accept that we may not find that ideal situation. And some of us have given up and I've given up sometimes, but I think it's important to have that checklist of all the things that you want from a new role or company and to make sure that you're vetting them as much as they're vetting you during the job interview. You know, I think about all the people in my family who are still dating and they've got checklists, but they need to level up in order to get that checklist accomplished, right? They want the million dollar house, but they've only got a hundred thousand dollar budget. So talk to me a little bit about that 
skills gap. And I know that's where you come in, really helping people navigate that terrain and trying to figure out if those dreams are realistic and what you need to do to get there. I think it's important to understand how are you going to align where you're trying to go with the goals that you need to accomplish to get there. Sometimes we have these far-fetched goals that are like over there and we haven't done the work. I'm big into journaling and being the architect of my own career and my life. And I think it's important to sketch out what you want your life to look like and say, hey, what are the things that I need to do to get there? So I'm really big on um, using tools, and especially in the pandemic, using tools like Udemy and YouTube and free workshops and training to get skilled up really fast, to earn certifications really fast. During the pandemic, a lot of people are at home and we can't go to training centers like we normally would. So it's important that we do self-paced learning as well. And the next thing is making sure that you align your network with people that already accomplished what you want to accomplish. If Lori has already gotten that certification in X, I should be calling you and asking you, how did you prepare? How did you get started? How did you study for that? So I can properly prepare as well. So it's a combination of your squad and your that career builders team helping you, but you also doing the legwork to get those knowledge and skills that you need. It's so great that you mentioned reaching out to someone who's doing the job you want or has the certification that you want. I find so many people reach out to me when it's too late or they've just been scared to reach out to me for many years. Talk to me a little bit about getting the courage, getting the confidence to reach out to someone whom you admire. And what do you say to that person? I really try to instruct my audience and my readers about how to network like a hustler, how to network like a hustler, because in order to navigate these corporate relationships, you got to put your hustler mindset on. You got to have your hustler hat on. I edify who I'm reaching out to. I compliment them. I make a human connection between what I see on their profile, what I see on Twitter, what I see in the content that, that they're posting, and I align it with something that I need. But before I ask for my need, I am making sure that I fully know who they are, what they do, and I am bringing and hooking it back into my ask because more people are more inclined to reach back out when you make them feel good about themselves or you know something about their book or their content or what they do for a living. And then you go in for your ask because you're making them feel warm and fuzzy inside. Hey everybody, I'm Lori Rudiman, author of Betting on You, how to put yourself first and finally take control of your career. Dan Pink is a New York Times bestselling author. He says that betting on you is indispensable reading for anyone seeking to improve their professional selves and attain that elusive work-life balance. Jesse Itzler is an entrepreneur and also a best-selling author. He called Betting on You the ultimate insider guide that will inspire anyone to wake up, take that first step towards change, and finally have a thriving career that connects purpose and passion. You're not surviving a pandemic to live life like it's 2019. Want to fix your career? Pick up a copy of Betting on You today anywhere books are sold or head on over to bettingonyoubook.com. Now remember, support your local bookstore or go to bettingonyoubook.com.
Well, as we start to think about the state of work these days, I mean, it's really complicated, right? I mean, that's an understatement. Let me just babble about that for like a million reasons. Number one, you know, we have all these systemic inequalities. Number two, we've got greed and wealth. We've got a pandemic. So I want to know your thoughts about the state of the workforce, knowing that the state of the workforce isn't just one thing. It's multiple things. What is work like in March of 2021? We used to talk about the future of work before the pandemic. The future of work is now, like it's happening now. I am really excited about seeing more companies still stay in the remote work life, right? Because some of us, like myself, I really enjoy it. You know, I have other things that I got going on, so I want to be at home. Yeah, you're leaning into remote work is what you're doing. I love it. I'm leaning into it and I've always enjoyed it, especially being in tech. For women, per se, I really foresee women's voices being heard in 2021. We have a vice president who's a woman, but I feel like during the pandemic, we witnessed women, women of color, and just all women stand up in a great way, not just for their careers, but for their families and for their kids and so many things. And I think now companies are seeing that mothers and wives, they need more support. Even when we go back to whatever new normal is going to be, we need that level of support. So I do see a lot of that being put into place, but I do feel like the voice of the White House and the voice of our new administration It's just going to have a lot more diversity and there's going to be a lot more voices of women in power. Even the secretary of my agency, I work at the Department of Treasury. It's a woman, first woman ever at Department of Treasury to run that department. So I just foresee it to just get more powerful. Well, I love that you're an optimist and you see a cascading effect from the decisions that are being made in the center of power. I wonder if you're optimistic about some of the other things that have happened in this world. You know, since 2017, we've had Me Too, Love is Love, Black Lives Matter, the pandemic, right? We've just been hit with something year after year that like surprises people. I don't know why, because things have been broken for a long time. Are you optimistic about the trends that you're seeing out there? How do you feel right now? When the Black Lives Matter trend was happening, I was I felt empowered as a black woman first. But then I felt like it was a lot of fake apologies coming from these Fortune 500 companies that were long overdue or even just not real. So I do believe that there is some level of fakeness going on out here in the corporate America when they say that black lives really do matter because a lot of the things that were happening were things that have been happening for a long time. They wanted to protect their brands and we need people to understand that we need them to protect our lives. We need to protect professionals lives and our livelihood. Me being a woman in tech, one thing that I'm really working on this year is I'm tired of talking about the diversity numbers that have never gotten better with people of color and unrepresented groups within technology. And I'm really over it because I've saw all of the reports from 2014 to 2017 and even to 2020. These numbers are going up like one or two percent. And it's like they act like they don't know where to find black talent. My point is, is that I think that it's we're going to have to really hold them accountable in some way moving forward. That's really interesting because that could be said for, you know, all sorts of underrepresented groups. It can also be said for equal pay. There's one way to fix this stuff and that's to fix it. Equal pay, hiring people, all of it requires money 
an action. You get the money going, you get some action going, and at least you have some momentum. But all of these studies that are studying the problem seem to be a little counterintuitive because there's no forward movement forward. I just wonder, how do you hold an organization accountable? Is it through consumerism? Is it through calling them out on social media? What do you do to make sure corporations understand there's no going back? I think that when we really talk about these companies that are producing consumer-based products, a lot of people that are underrepresented, that don't get hired to work there, they're not a part of the teams to build these products and services. They actually are missing out on really building good quality products and services. I was on a call the other day and a, and a black woman said, you know, face recognition doesn't work on my iPhone for me because I'm dark-skinned. But what if that dark-skinned woman, and I'm a light-skinned black woman, and you had an Asian woman, and you had men of other races on that team, we as the consumers, us, the customers, we have to do a better job at really holding the line and saying, I'm not going to support them. I'm not going to buy their products and services. I'm not going to support uh, whether it's the technology or even whether it's like brands like there's a lot of other brands. I don't want to name specific brands, but we as women, we buy a lot of these products. They're handbags. You know, we look up to these high upscale brands, but I don't think that they're really looking up to the consumers. So I think it's important for us to hold the line by really standing, holding our grounds and saying that we're not going to buy their products and services. But that's sometimes short lived because people protest for like five days. Oh, I'm not going to watch this. I'm not going to do that. And then they're back to buying those things. So I think it just has to be consistency. You're absolutely right. You know, I always get angry with Google for the lack of progress for women and minorities and just underrepresented communities and go a day without using Google. I don't know how to do it. I've never done it since like 2000. So, you know, it's super, super complex. It's not an easy thing to do. It's so sad that these companies, they revolve around a lot of the things that we do. In 2014, I was featured in a CNN article where they talked about the diversity numbers and they featured me and it was only maybe maybe two to three percent black and hispanics that actually work for the company and if we put that number down how many of those people were actually women probably less than a percent but i still have to use gmail i still have to use google voice i still have to index my website so my brand could be acknowledged by google's algorithm it's kind of hard really it really is. It absolutely is. Well, I think that's a nice segue into talking about, we've discussed the world of work and we've discussed the broader world, but I want to talk a little bit about you because you've got this identity as like a career rebel, a career dropout, a cool geek. And my message to people has always been your work is not your worth, that you deserve to pursue your passion and find meaning and be at the intersection of purpose and passion and you know education, just as your birthright, because you were born. You deserve love, you deserve healthcare. It shouldn't have anything to do with your job. And yet here we are where our work is always our worth. And it's really easy, especially in our prime career earning years to get caught up in the world of work. So I wanna know, do you have a problem pulling out your work from your worth? because so many people do. And how do you make sure that you don't burn out? That's really important because I feel like I work a lot. And I think that we have gotten into this mindset that being busy or looking overproductive mean that we're winning. And I really believe that I'm winning when I get good sleep. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, you're winning when you wake up in the morning. Come on now. You don't need to work. You're just winning all the time. I believe that about you. I do believe that I am a bona fide winner. I think that I'm doing an amazing job of being authentic and being real and trying to be transparent about other areas of my life. I do not want my worth to be known just because I wrote a book or just because I um, do speaking engagements. I want my worth to be known that I'm down to earth. I'm an approachable person. I'm a loving person. I like to do a lot of things outside of work work that have nothing to do with career (laughs) rehab, have nothing to do with that. And I think that personal branding is really about bringing your authentic self to everything that you do, not just work. So for me, I really think that it's important to know my worth through being a wife, I'm married, wanting the desire to be a mother. That is something that is a new goal for mine, right? So my worth is not my job title, my company title. I'm an author, I'm a speaker. Those things are great. They're just like assets, you know, they're they're just like, you know, icing on the cake. But the cake should be really that I'm a full person inside and I have other desires that extend beyond my resume. Well, I'm so stoked about your journey. It's just great to see you out there absolutely killing it with your book, with speaking, with being the go-to person, individual, I think, around technology careers. So thank you for all you do out there. I mean, you're generous, you give your time, you share your opinion authentically, and you don't hold back. I love that. And I'm glad you were a guest today on Punk Rock HR. Thank you. I appreciate you. And I think that I'm going to continue to bet on myself. Hey, everybody. I hope you enjoyed the show today. For more information, including show notes and links, you can head on over to punkrockhr.com. And if you like what you heard today, head on over to iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts and leave a five-star review. Now that's all for today, and I hope you enjoyed it. We'll see you next time on Punk Rock HR. 